Welcome to the Questioning God podcast with John Hopper. I'm your host, Blaine Larson. This is a resource produced by Search, an organization committed to having conversations about the big questions of God and life. This episode is all about chapter 8, How Can a Rational Person Accept the Miracle Stories in the Bible? Great question. John, where do we begin to think about that? You know, Blaine, first of all, I think there's there are many people who can accept certain parts of the Bible so they can believe, okay, so there was this particular nation that the Old Testament talks about, or they can, you know, accept that there was this man who lived that taught, or that even that he died on a cross, right? But for many people, the hard part to swallow is when you get to sort of the miracles part of it, right? So, um, so I, I, I met with a man just last week and he, he said, do I really have to believe all the stuff in the Bible? <laughs> like, like, isn't some of that just sort of metaphors? It's not really talking about what historically happened. Cause I just have a hard time believing in these, these miracles. And so, um, so I think there are a lot of people who, you know, they're okay with the morals of the Bible. Um, even as say Thomas Jefferson was, but they're not good with the miracles. <laughs> yes. So can we get past that, right? For sure. So and a lot of people struggle mm-hmm. with this this question. So how should we actually address that? So first of all, I mean, it seems to me that if we're asking people to believe in miracles, what we're really asking them to do is to believe, first of all, in God or the supernatural, right? Because when we talk about miracles, we're not talking about just unusual things that happen. We're talking about unusual things that happen that cannot be explained in any way naturally. There, there needs to be some supernatural presence to have brought about sort of this change, this miracle there. So, so when we're talking about the question of miracles, what we're really talking about is the God question. Does God exist? If God exists, it seems to me that it becomes sort of a possibility that miracles could exist. So now, um, again, some people say, yeah, well, I, I, you know, I believe in God. I'm sort of good with that. But, you know, I think he just kind of got everything started and he sort of stays back. Like, I'm not really into this, again, this miracle. So again, that was the position of Thomas Jefferson. That's what he believed, that God just kind of got the ball going, but he stands back. So, you know, I don't really have to believe in this, this miracle stuff. And yet it seems a little bit odd to me that, that, people would do that to God. In other words, um, it's as if they say, well, God created the universe, this remarkably fine-tuned universe, and um, and all the beauty that we see in it. But um, no, we're not going to allow him to do sort of these lesser miraculous things, right? Like so, we have the power. <laughs> like, 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 like somehow lacks, the, like he's, he had the power back then, but he doesn't have the power now, or he's not going to use it now. And I, I'm not so sure we need to put those bounds on God, right? Like if he's able to create the universe and we have good reason to believe that he, he did, then, you know, making a blind man see or even raising a person from the dead, that's, that's, that's child's play. It's <laughs> like, well, that's simple stuff. So, so again, I think that um, if, if we do believe in God and the supernatural, and we, we believe him sort of big enough and powerful enough and intelligent enough to create this universe that it's a possibility that, that, that miracles are you know, real. 
as well. Yeah, and now is the Bible full of miracles, John? Because before mm, we move on, I just yeah. want to, I mean, a lot of people, if they haven't read the Bible, at least mm-hmm. when I uh, talk with yeah. folks, they kind of have the impression that you just read the Bible and mm. it's just a miracle on every page. Yeah. Is that yeah. true? Or Yeah, not really. Um, so, in fact, it seems to me that the miracles are sort of bunched into sort of four different segments of history. So, um, so one is around the time of Moses. And God was giving a lot of instructions at the time of Moses. We get the Ten Commandments there. So it's as if God is saying, listen to Moses. I'm going to have him do these miracles. So you can see that he's, what he's getting is from God. So listen to what he has to say. Right? Yeah. So, um, so he wrote, wrote the law that we sort of talk about in the Old Testament. So, and then there's another period, sort of the period of the prophets. So particularly around a couple of guys named Elijah and Elisha. There's all these miracles that are, are done. And so it's as if God's saying, hey, I'm sending prophets. They're going to tell you things. You should listen to them. So you know that you should listen to them. I'm going to have them do some miracles so you say, hey, do it. Yeah. So there's two periods. The third period is around Jesus. It's as if you know God said, listen to Jesus. So I'm going to have him do some miracles. And then the fourth place is with the disciples who followed Jesus. There are those miracles as well. So it's like Jesus is gone, but I want you to listen to these disciples as well. Now, when we break out the Bible, oftentimes the Bible in the Old Testament is called the Law and the Prophets. It's been called that for thousands of years, the Law and the Prophets, as if God said, believe the Law, because there are miracles there. Believe the Prophets, because there are miracles there. And then the New Testament is around the Gospels, which is about the life of Jesus and the writings of the disciples. It's as if God is saying, believe what Jesus had to say. Believe what the disciples had to say. So it's not really just like everywhere God's just sort of doing these miracles left and right. He's really doing them to sort of authenticate these sort of four main contributors to what we read in the Bible. Yeah, I wish he ran around doing more miracles. To be <laughs> I mean, I'm really serious, but yeah. that's that's another yeah, question yeah. for the next book. Yeah, yeah, you can answer that right. question. But okay, so great uh, backdrop. Thank uh-huh. you. So um, – you know, in the, there's a concern, and I've heard this from people that uh, okay, if God uh, does miracles, wouldn't that be a violation mm-hmm. of the laws of nature? Because we know that the laws of nature can't be violated. So, how can this even be? Yeah, um, I can see how people would think that sort of, sort of, sort of a first look at it. But I'm not so sure that the laws of nature would be violated because a miracle took place. So. I think all a miracle would be was would be sort of the a new input into the equation. So, um, so we would maybe expect certain things to happen naturally, but if a new input gets put into play, then things will end up differently. So, let's say, for example, that there's some heavy storms in the mountains, and we would expect the water to flow down this particular ravine because, you know, the mountains are sort of moving down towards the ravine and that's the way the water would go. And this is the pathway it's always taken. Sort of the natural laws would sort of dictate that. But let's suppose some huge boulder fell from the mountains and sort of sort of clogged up that sort of ravine. And so water began to go different ways. Okay. So, well, we wouldn't have expected that. Okay sort of the laws of nature would say the water's going to go a particular way. But once there's a new input, right now, things are going to be different because of that. And I think when we're talking about a miracle, we're talking about a supernatural input suddenly that's put into the equation. And now sort of nature has has to work around that. So it's not that the laws have been broken. It's just that they're having to accommodate this new 
input. In this case, it's a spiritual or supernatural input. Yeah, okay, so that makes sense. So it seems like you're saying if if God's real, miracles are a possibility. Mm -hmm. So how do we stop from being the guy in a previous episode who's, you know, well, it's possible that aliens dropped this car in my in my in my garage, right? Uh how do we, what's the difference between a miracle being possible, potential, mm. and one actually happening. Right. So, again, so things can be possible, but we have to look at evidence to see whether thing, a, a miracle actually took place. And I, and I think there's, there's a certain reasonability to being skeptical of miracles. You know, someone's, oh, this miracle happened. Like, oh, really? You know, so, so when we say, oh, really, we're saying, yeah, I need some more evidence, right? So, so it seems to me when we're looking at... Uh, whether a miracle took place or not, we, first of all, we want a, bef- a clear before condition. Like, okay, so this person really was blind. In fact, they've been blind all of their life, and you know the medical records show that, and they've done all kinds of tests, and the person is blind, right? So there's a clear before condition. Right? So then if there's a miracle took place, we need a clear after condition. Suddenly this guy's seen, right? <laughs> so, and, uh, and we know he's seen because we've run all these tests. And because when you, like you fake punch him in the face, he, he, you know, <laughs> he sort of pulls back to just like, we know that he's seen now, right? There's this clear before condition and there's this clear after condition. And, and I think though, that if there's a miracle that took place, that there has to be no plausible sort of natural explanation there. So if you're in your backyard and so you have a lawn and there's no apples on your lawn, and then suddenly there's an apple on your lawn, but there's an apple tree there too. You wouldn't say, oh, a miracle took place. You know, suddenly this apple appeared. There's a natural explanation for it, right? Yeah. So, but if you've got this guy that's sort of been blind from birth and then suddenly he's able to see, okay, it's like, what's, what's the natural explanation for that? So, and particularly if we tie with that someone's command or prayer where someone says, you know, see, or as Jesus did, you know, sort of put his hands on people's sort of eyes, and then suddenly they they saw, and they instantly saw at that moment. So, like, well, how do you naturally explain that? We've got this clear before condition, clear after condition, and uh, no natural explanation. It's even tied with this command or prayer. It seems like the evidence there points to a miracle, and that's why even outsiders, those who didn't like Jesus, um never argue with the miracles. Yeah, that's one of the things that shows up in these extra biblical <laughs> yeah, historians, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. So they, they admit to the miracles having happened. So what they actually do with Jesus is they say, well, he didn't get his power from God to do those miracles. He got his power from the demons to do it. So, But they didn't dismiss the miracles. They say something supernatural took place here because this cannot be explained from any natural cause. Yeah, and if that's your explanation, there's a whole lot of other questions that that raises. <laughs> That's right. So, okay, this this is pretty interesting. Um, let, let's let's boil it down to mm. a particular miracle mm. in the right. Bible because yeah. n- not all of them are equal mm. in weight, especially mm. for the purposes of of somebody who's reading your book here, questioning right. questioning God. Yeah. There's a particular miracle that really is most important, right? Yeah, and I think it's most important because even the scriptures say it's most important, and that that miracle is the resurrection of Jesus. So we see, for example. The Apostle Paul, he he writes that the resurrection didn't take place. If it wasn't a sort of this real historical event, you can just chuck all this whole Christianity thing. So where where would somebody find that? They're not going to believe you that <laughs> well, that's in the Bible. It's there. It's in First Corinthians fifteen, actually. So they'll they'll find it there. So um, 
So the question is, okay, so did this resurrection really take place? And it seems to me, well, again, what we need is we need a before, clear before condition and a clear after condition to begin with. So first of all, was he dead? <laughs> so, and I think there's a lot of good evidence that Jesus was dead. So, I mean, he was beaten just mercilessly before, you know, the crucifixion. And the Romans were really good at killing people. So, I mean, the crucifixion was sort of meant for suffocation, and they knew when people are died. And then they added the sort of the spear in Jesus's side. And then after he was sort of taken down and pronounced dead by sort of the Roman executors, he was wrapped in, you know, 75 pounds of sort of a burial clothes and spices sort of deal and clothes put into this, uh, you know, this tomb that had a rock in front of it, you know, a huge stone and, and was guarded. It's like, guy's dead. <laughs> That's the clear before condition. The after condition is, is that Jesus is suddenly seen talking with people, eating with people, um, sort of walking with people, and not just individuals where they might have been hallucinated, but with groups as well. So, and in all different situations, as many as 500 at one time. So it's like, wow, like, okay, so clear before condition, clear after condition. Like he wasn't, and when he, you know, when they saw him, he wasn't like dragging around, like, you know, he's, you know, he's in a coma and he came back and he's like, no, he's like healthy, good to go, right? So, so again, clear before condition, clear after condition. Well, how do you explain that naturally? What's the possible explanation for that? I, I don't think there is one. So, and Jesus himself even said that this would take place in advance. Well, how do you say that's going to take place to you in advance? Like, how does a person who's alive tell you what they're going to do when they're dead? <laughs> like, right, so, like, they're dead. Like, what, what power do they have to sort of do something at that point in time? Like, there's something going on here, right? So, so it would seem to me that when we look at the resurrection of Jesus, there's, there's evidence there for us to to say, yeah, that, that, that really happened. It's not fanciful. Yeah, I want to hear you talk a little bit about this idea too, this idea of, uh, it's a philosophical idea mm. of a defeater. Mm. And it's something, if it's going to be true, it also has to have a, a defeater. Or in other words, if something can't be falsified, mm. there's no way to falsify it, then it's hard to say that it's that it's true right. if it can't be defeated. Sure. Uh, as I understand it, Christianity is the only major world religion that in its holy scriptures mm. places a defeater and says, if you want to prove mm. this false, mm. I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. Mm. And it's the passage you reference in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul tells you, yeah. prove that Jesus is still dead, mm-hmm. and and then you can go looking for another religion because this one's not it. That's right. Yeah, so one of the things that's very um, uh, distinct about Christianity is that it ties its veracity to, to um, specific historical events. You don't see that in other religions. So, you know, that'd be moral teaching of sorts. So, or maybe they talk about historical events, but when you look into the historical events, they didn't happen. Like Christianity is saying, if, you know, if you want to sort of prove this false, then just look into whether these historical events happened or not. And if you find that they didn't, then just chuck it sort of thing, in particular in regards to the, to the resurrection. So it's really putting itself out there. Yeah, it really is. But I think that when it does put itself out there and we see the evidence pointing in the right direction, we can have confidence sort of go with it. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to wrap this up. And John, just uh, thank you. Thanks for talking us through this. Uh, It's been a great conversation about chapter number eight. How can a rational person accept the miracle stories in the Bible? Now, next episode, we're going to be talking about chapter nine. Isn't the Bible out of step 
with the times. And you're going to you're gonna want to come back and listen to that, trust me. Uh, if you haven't already, go pick up Search's new book, Questioning God, Answers to Questions Worth Asking. It's available now on questioninggod.com and on Amazon. And we look forward to having you. Join us next time on the Questioning God podcast with John Hopper.